Well, hey church, hasn't it just been a fantastic service so far, right back from 10am with our kids work and our youth work into an amazing time of worship, of course hosted so well by Claire and by Vic and the team. I just want to stop by and give you a really warm welcome to this week's service and an especially warm welcome if you are a guest or a visitor joining us. We would love to know that you're here, so do drop us a line in the comments or drop us an email at admin at lcf.biz. Our team would love to welcome you and tell you a little bit more about our church. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mike Nichols. I have the honour and the absolute joy of being the lead pastor here at LCF. And you find us right in the middle of our autumn teaching campaign or our teaching series called Hashtag Follow practicing the way of Jesus. And this week we have a fantastic and a great guest speaker joining us. He is a dear, dear friend of mine, a man called Mark Greenwood. And if you didn't know, LCF is part of a wider group of churches or a denomination of churches called the Elim Pentecostal Church. We literally have thousands of churches around the world, about 600 here right in the UK. And Mark works out of our head office over in Worcestershire. He is Elim's national evangelist and all that simply means is he loves telling people about Jesus. His enthusiasm and his passion for Jesus will no doubt be really evident in the message he's going to share with us in just a moment. So get your notepads ready, get your Bible ready, let's give a massive LCF welcome in the comments, in the chat to our dear friend Mark Greenwood. everyone it's so good to be here with you this morning here in Luton so good to be with you and uh, I'm really excited to come and chat to you today I know that you've been following the follow theme and I want to ask you a question today I don't know where you are in your journey of faith and life it might be that you're listening today and you are a committed follower of Jesus it might be that you're listening today and you've maybe just been thinking about life and about faith and you're here watching today because you're just thinking about where you are in this crazy world that we find ourselves in right now but I'd like to ask you all a question and this is the question what do you follow? What do you follow? But probably an even bigger element of that question would be, what do you follow and how reliable is it? I don't know if we've got any football uh, supporters watching this morning. I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing we do have. And uh, normally, if I was doing this and people were in the room, I'd get you to put your hands up. So we're still going to do that. If you support Liverpool, raise your hands. Anybody? Okay, maybe one or two of you. Any, any Man United fans? Chelsea fans? Any Chelsea fans? Arsenal fans? Luton Town, got any Luton fans? Many of us are people that follow other things. Maybe like me, your favourite sport is rugby and uh, my rugby team is Wasps. My rugby league team is Bradford Bulls and I'm a passionate England supporter so I get excited about the Six Nations and I get all excited and carried away and shouting at the ref and singing because I really follow England rugby 
be passionately. I passionately follow it. But sometimes they're worth following (laughs) and other times they're not worth following. Sometimes they're doing really, really well and they're dependable. And then sometimes, like in the final, when they've had an amazing tournament and beaten Australia and, and all the really big teams in New Zealand and then they get to South Africa and they stumble. If you're from South Africa, you can cheer now, don't worry. But what do you follow and how reliable is it? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever invested your life into something and then it's let you down? Have you ever devoted or dedicated your life to something and disappointment has kicked in? Maybe in only moments that thing has suddenly dissipated. And that's probably happened to quite a few people, hasn't it, over this past season with COVID-19. Things that we thought were immovable and rock solid and dependable have just been taken away from us. I read this fantastic story uh, a few years ago. Now, for people who know me well and have heard me speak, they they know that I, I love using true life funny stories in my talks. And I like using them because... They make me smile, basically, but also they can help us to understand some simple truths. And um, I read this one particular story of how um, in Florida, greyhound racing is really, really popular. And there was this one particular day when uh, a race was about to take place and Everybody had placed their bets on who they thought was going to win, who they were following, who they were backing, who they were depending upon to kind of earn them some money that particular day. Now, for those of you who don't know about greyhound racing, not that I'm a particular expert, you understand, but what I do know is that a little button's pressed and um, a kind of pink, well, not a pink, a fluffy rabbit chases it, not a real one. Okay, and a, a fake fluffy rabbit kind of goes round the whole track on this kind of monorail and it goes past once and all the greyhounds that are so far caged in, hemmed in, uh, they see it out of the corner of their eye and they get really, really excited at the thought of chasing after this fluffy rabbit going round. So it goes round once and the excitement builds. It goes round again and the excitement builds even more and it goes round again and by now... They are waiting to explode out of the traps. And as the animal, the little rabbit, goes by, say the third time, up come the gates and the greyhounds start chasing, chasing after this rabbit. This is my impression of a greyhound, by the way. I'm not quite as slim. I'm more resembling a bulldog rather than a greyhound. But just suspend reality for a few moments' time. And this greyhound is chasing after that rabbit. And the interesting thing is what they do is they hold the rabbit just far enough in front of the lead greyhound so it doesn't get disheartened. So it's it's almost touchable. But they don't let it come too close because otherwise the race is over. The following the rabbit is over because it's suddenly consumed. Well, off 
off the rabbit had gone. The greyhounds were chasing around the track and the rabbit got to the kind of first key kind of bend in the area and things were going well. The rabbits were ch- the rabbit was being chased. The greyhounds, I'm having the rabbits chasing the greyhounds. Now the greyhound was chasing the rabbit and it was going round and it was doing really well when all of a sudden there was an electrical short in the circuit and the rabbit just suddenly went up in flames and all that was left was just a grey piece of cotton dangling off the monorail. And the newspaper reported on this incident and it said that with the rabbit now suddenly gone, the greyhounds didn't know what to do. And some of them just started chasing their tail, which was rather humorous because they didn't have one, but they just started chasing their tail. Some of them just sat down and howled, oh, in the middle of the race. Some of them, it says, even just ran into the wall that the monorail was on and one or two of them sustained some pretty bad injuries. Why? Because the thing that they had built so much excitement about following once they were free to follow it and they started focusing after it and chasing after it all of a sudden like that it was gone and they did not know what to do doesn't it feel a little bit like that in our world right now that the things that have consumed our focus and our time have gone and we're kind of in this place right now where we're wondering What do we do? I pose that question to you one more time. What do you follow and how reliable is it? What are you chasing after and is it worth chasing after? What if there was something or someone who was totally worth following? who was totally worth chasing after, who was totally worth you focusing in on this thing or this person? What if there was something that was absolutely worth every single sacrifice you could ever make on planet Earth? What if there was something or someone that was totally dependable, that whatever happened in the world and external circumstances would never disappear, would never leave you? What if... There was one such person or one such thing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have some great news. I have the wonderful privilege of telling you today there is someone that is well worth following, is well worth chasing after. I wonder if you would allow me just to read some sentences from the world's best-selling book, which, which seems to be the book that has most to say about this person, about this thing that is worth following, is worth chasing after. There's lots of other historical sources and documents that, that tell us about how popular this person was. But I wonder whether I might just read to you today from the Bible, uh, which, as I mentioned, is the world's best-selling book. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, who kind of know your way around the Bible, um, you will understand what I mean if I say you can find these sentences in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 to 25. For those of you who are not familiar with the Bible or don't have one to hand, I'd like to just read some sentences to you that give us an inkling into just how popular this person Jesus was. 
says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Can you see the urgency? They knew about this Jesus, had seen his impact. And when he said, come, follow me, at once they left their nets, represented their whole livelihood. They put them down. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, And his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately catch that again. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain and demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. Do you catch something of the ecstasy and the excitement and the expectation of maybe it was worth following this Jesus? I want to suggest to you there was good reason why they followed Jesus and there is good reason why you should and today can follow Jesus. Just what do you follow and how reliable is it? What are you chasing after that is dependable? It's it's really interesting what people follow. I've done a little bit of digging around, a little bit of research, and um, I came across uh, these facts which just brought a smile to my face, really, and I, I hope they bring a bit of a smile to your face today. Did you know that toad licking, toad, you know, those frog type things, toad licking was a popular pastime in Australia and the United States in the late 1980s? Who knew? Who knew? The giant care toad was found to produce a chemical called bufotenine as a form of defence against its enemies. Humans who licked its head discovered hallucinogenic properties. Can you believe that? I mean, I wonder who first took the decision to go, I wonder what will happen if I lick this toad's head. The mind boggles, doesn't it? But then it became a popular pastime. Crowds followed it and chased after it. Goldfish swallowing. Yes, goldfish swallowing was popular in the United States colleges just before World War II. A college student in Pennsylvania managed to down 43 in one occasion. The craze later extended to eating 78 RPM records. I mean, it's just crazy. And then magazines. I mean, how do these things take off? Who? I mean, I can get like 
you know, magazines and, you know, maybe the occasional nibble when you're a bit peckish, you know, and your fish and chips have been wrapped in it and maybe you just eat a little bit of that. But who came up with this idea and, and why did this crazy amount of people follow? Do you know, sometimes I think, do you know what? It's not as daft as I think following Jesus. It really, really isn't. Popular fads and trends of the 1970s. Some of you will remember these included the nothing book. Yep, does what it says on the tin, or potentially what it doesn't say on the tin, a volume consisting entirely of blank pages. Pet rocks, anybody remember those from the 70s? Pet rocks, rock, do you remember these? Dogless leads, if you've got any PTK fans watching today, you'll remember PTK doing this skit about these dogless leads. Oh, he likes you, he likes you. It's unbelievable, isn't it, what people follow? It's amazing what people follow. And yet it isn't, because actually we all need to follow something, or more importantly, someone. We all need somebody to be inspired by, to role model life, to follow, to invest our life into. We all need that sense of belonging and following. But the crazy thing is following and the desire to be seen to follow can sometimes lead you to doing things that you probably wouldn't even do. So I'm from Bradford originally. And I used to be a butcher. I remember one particular Saturday, um, I was out just loading up my boss's Land Rover with some meat and Bradford City. Have you heard of Bradford City? Yeah, it's a football team. Yeah, Bradford City nil. That's their full name. Now you know who they are. Bradford City were playing another team. I, I can't remember who it was. But essentially what had happened, it was back in the day when there was still quite a lot of, you know, kind of violence uh, surrounding football. And I remember looking out from my boss's Land Rover and just seen a load of Bradford City supporters just kind of, you know, running down the street, jumping over cars, knocking people down, and this great crowd of people. But here's an interesting thought. Just suppose I'd have said to one of those Bradford City supporters, just come here a second, come here, put my arm round him. Wouldn't happen now because of social distancing, but put my arm round him and say, um, just, just come here a sec. You know, I want you to to, to do the same thing you've, you've just done, because that's how Bradford City supporters talk, to be honest with you. We do the same thing that you've always done, only this time, do it by yourself. You know, like run over the cars, knock people over, go through the city, cheering and screaming, causing time. Just do it by yourself. He probably wouldn't. I mean, he, he might do, but he probably would not do that. Why? Because he's by himself. But stick him in a crowd... When that's his identity, rather than he having his own identity, then he's going to do things that he wouldn't normally do. And things that he wouldn't really want to do, but put them in a crowd. And often, when we're following a crowd, it causes us to compromise even some of our own ethics and choices and decisions. Because there's something about belonging that we find in a crowd. And the Bible, you know, it's an interesting book, the Bible. I find it really sensible, actually. At times, it seems to understand humanity. Quel surprise, as the French would say, because the God who made us kind of wrote it. So I guess he'd kind of understand. But there's this incredible little sentence tucked away in the oldest part of the Bible that says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. 
Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. There's nothing wrong following a crowd so long as it causes you to do good stuff. But actually so often we can be so led astray by the crowd. And the problem, of course, is when you do what the crowd does, you end up in the same place often that the crowd ends up. I've seen so many people who've been interviewed about what got them into things like knife crime or violence, and it's often been because they just got on and got in with the wrong crowd. As a man in Serbia fell into a 12-foot vat of plum brandy and began splashing about in helpless fashion, his son dived in after him when he too showed no evidence that he might eventually emerge. The father's wife leaped in to give a hand but quickly joined the helpless splashing. The son's wife, apparently not one to ignore a fashion or a trend, jumped in as well but with little practical effort. All four drowned. You see, when you do what everyone does, you end up as everyone else does. And it's because we do not follow the one that we need to, that we need someone to follow. We were made to follow God. We were made to follow Jesus. We were made to live life according to how God wants us to live life. And actually, by living life that way, actually is the way that we really need and desire and want as human beings, though it might not look like it. And when we follow life and follow God in life, actually, we don't need to follow anything else. There is a basic human need to belong. But the Bible says this, he, speaking of God, made us and we belong to him. He made us and we belong to him. Isn't that an incredible sentence? He made us and we belong to him. Now, for those of you who are followers of Jesus and want to make a little note of that little reference from the Bible, it's Psalm 100 and verse 3. So there's a basic human need to belong. He made us and we belong to him. But there's a basic human need to enjoy ourselves. And so we'll do anything and everything we can to enjoy ourselves. Listen, did you know that God wants you to enjoy yourself in life more than you even want to enjoy yourself in life? In fact, I love this sentence. It's one of my favourite little sentences from the Bible. And again, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible and know your way around it, you can find it in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. And speaking of God, it's a he richly provides us with everything to enjoy life what about that richly he doesn't just provide us with everything though that would be fantastic there's this extra little word and often if the bible puts an extra little word in there it's worth just taking note of the extra word because it's trying to let us know something he says he richly he lavishly he generously I mean, that's great, isn't it? Gives us things and all things for us to enjoy life. You see, we were made to be and have all we need in God. We were made to be in God and have all we need in God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've not started following Jesus today, I want to encourage you to do that. At the end of my talk, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm just resetting the timer so you don't panic, by the way. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to follow Jesus, to say yes to him, to say, God, I don't want to follow my own life anymore and living life without you. 
seeking after something that ultimately isn't going to satisfy me. I'm not going to follow something that isn't dependable, isn't reliable. And becoming a, a Jesus follower means that you make that decision to follow him. I'll explain more about that. Uh, in a few moments at the end of my talk. It's amazing what people follow. Flagpole sitting. Are going to be flagposters here? I would love it if we were in a live venue and then actually somebody put their hands up. I've never met one yet, but I read about this as I was doing some uh, research for my talk. Flagpole sitting was a popular fad throughout the United States. There's a theme developing here today in the 1920s, originated by a man named Alvin Kelly, who used the name, I don't know why, but he used the name Shipwreck. The craze spread like wildfire coast to coast. His original squat of 13 hours and 13 minutes in Los Angeles led to a 49-day session in, the, in Atlantic City, watched by over 20,000 people. Alvin, this is what it said, this will make you wince, Alvin was later hospitalised with a condition known as flagpole anus. I don't think we need too much imagination to understand what that particular illness might be. But when I read that, I just think, I don't know who were the most crazy, Alvin, for going for 49 days, or the 20,000 people that were watching. Who was the craziest, the watched or the watchers? If you've got a chat function, why don't you just put that right now in the chat? Who do you think was the craziest? The watched or the watchers? When I, when I read that, I just think, wow, this is bonkers. It's like we need somebody to follow. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about this Jesus person. You see, 2,000 years ago, this Jesus person was put on a cross. He was raised up and there were people around him Watching what was taking place, this brutal punishment of this person called Jesus. Some were just watching in some kind of macabre, voyeuristic way, but others were profoundly impacted by what they saw, including one of the people that were being crucified next to him. He shouldn't be up there, this Jesus. It's interesting, just hold that thought for a few moments. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are the four parts of the Bible where we get most of our information about Jesus and when we build up a bit of a narrative of what took place. In the book of Matthew, it says news about Jesus spread all over, crowds gathered. In the book of Mark, it says Jesus was leaving Jericho, a large crowd was with him. In Luke, it says Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because of the crowd. In John, it says a crowd followed Jesus as he crossed the lake because they had seen the miracles that he had done done all the miracles and incredible people following prostitutes sick people fishermen doctors tax collectors older people young people they all followed Jesus and still today those same types of people follow Jesus Jesus was worth following so they did Jesus is worth following so they do why because he brought enjoyment and purpose and a sense of belonging to people so these great crowds had been following 
Jesus. And in one particular part of the Bible, a bit that we'll be familiar with in the Easter story, Palm Sunday, many of us will know that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on this donkey and the great crowds were there and they were shouting things like, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna meaning praises to to this Jesus riding on this donkey. This great anthemic gathering as he rode into Jerusalem. They went on ahead, they followed him. They were throwing palm branches down on the ground, a recognition that he was royalty, somebody special. It was an amazing time and the crowds were cheering him in. Let me take you forward to another moment in his life, not too far away from this moment. You see, it was customary and you can read about this in the Bible, that at a particular time of year, a a, a criminal could be released Uh, in in place of another criminal and uh, the choice was whether they were going to release Jesus or Barabbas, a man named Barabbas who truthfully um, deserved, forgive me, to to die. It's like Jesus didn't but he did And the choice is being given to the great crowd. And by this time, the crowd had suddenly started to turn a bit against Jesus. And that's why you can't follow a crowd. Because one minute they can be doing really, really well and another minute they can turn. That's why I love watching the French rugby team when they're losing because the crowd turns on them. But let me bring you to this moment. The crowd's suddenly turning. Why? Because Jesus suddenly begins to threaten some things, begins to threaten the status quo. He's got this incredible following. And all of a sudden, some people are now being challenged. I wonder whether it was some of the more religious people that were suddenly turning on, on him. Be that as it may, we're in this place now where where the crowds are shouting for Barabbas to be released from prison in the place of Jesus. And what takes place now is incredible. Barabbas gets set free, the one who deserved to be punished and the one who didn't deserve to be punished, Jesus Christ, wasn't set free. He was stuck on a cross, taking the punishment for the wrong of the whole world. You see, Jesus didn't just die in place of Barabbas, he died in place of you and in place of me. The Greek philosopher Socrates said, if a perfect man came to this world, everyone would gang upon him and kill him. Socrates lived 400 years before Christ. How profound was that? And it could never have been more true. Jesus, who'd never done anything wrong, was now put on a cross, this perfect man, And they killed him. But here's the amazing thing. Three days after he died, he came back alive. He died so that you and I could be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, he was taking the punishment for the wrong of the whole world that had lived, were living, would live. But he didn't just stay on the cross. Yes, he took the punishment for the wrong of the whole world there. You're wrong and my wrong. But three days later, he came back alive. He died so we could be forgiven, but he came back alive so we could live. Ladies and gentlemen, crowds all through history, right now across the world, and will continue, have been incredibly, influenced by this person called Jesus. They've devoted their whole lives to following him and pursuing him. Why? Because he was worth it. He wasn't just going to disappear. 
There was one moment where a few of Jesus' followers were a little bit shocked that he'd gone, but he told them, he said, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a little while, and then I'll come back. And three days later, I'll come back again from the dead so that people can live and that you can be forgiven. He's so reliable. He even beat death himself, the greatest enemy of humanity. What do you follow and how reliable is it? What do you chase after and how reliable is it? Today, I want to say to you this as I begin to draw my talk to an end. It is amazing what people follow and who people follow. Yeah, it's amazing who people follow. But today, you get the chance to follow the one who is truly amazing and his name is Jesus. God right now is inviting you to follow him, to put your life in his hands. I I guess there's kind of uh, three ways that you can respond really, what I call the big yes. The big yes is about saying to God, yeah God I I have lived my life without you but today I want to live it with you. I want to follow you. And that means that you've got to make a decision to turn away from doing life your own way and start to do it God's way. Don't follow your own plans and desires. Follow his plans and desires. But here's the wonderful thing. He gives you the power to do that and gives you the forgiveness when you mess up. Jesus died so you could be forgiven, not just on a one-off experience, but on going. If you're listening to this today and you've never said yes to following Jesus, why don't you right where you are now say, yes, God, yes, God, I follow you. I put my life in your hands. And my prayer for you as you do that is that you'll know that God has already said yes to you. It might be that you're listening today and you're not ready to say that big yes to God. I'd like to invite you to say what I call a little yes. And a little yes is about making an intentional decision to find out more, to really investigate, to look into it, to find out whether he really, really is worth following. Listen, There's lots of people across the globe right now who are followers of Jesus. There's got to be something in it that makes sense to investigate. And so why don't you just in your own heart say, yeah, I'm I'm going to become a little. Yes, I'm going to make an intentional decision to find out more. And finally, it might be that you're listening here today and you're not ready to say that big yes or even that little yes. Could I just lay a gentle challenge to you today to become what I call a healthy maybe. A healthy maybe is somebody that makes a choice or a decision to become open-minded about whether Jesus is worth following. And if you're already open-minded as a person, uh, to make a commitment to remain open-minded. You see, many people say they're open-minded, but don't often apply that to following Jesus. And so I'd like to encourage you today to become open-minded or make a commitment to remain open-minded listen we'd love to help you whether you're a big yes or a little yes or a healthy maybe can you let us know we'd love to help you we really really would put a comment in the chat uh, contact the church speak to somebody from the church if you know somebody and we would love to help you uh, know more of what it means to find out that following Jesus 
really is worth it. Thank you so much for listening and allowing me to talk to you today. God bless.